Our home office has 31,259 employees, which is more than the entire population of uh, Natchez, Mississippi. I work on the 19th floor, Ordinary Policy Department, Premium Accounting Division, Section W, desk number 861. My name is C.C. Baxter, C for Calvin, C for Clifford, however most people call me Bud. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host Travis, aka TV's Travis. This is episode 151 and the movie that we watched this week is 1960's The Apartment. And here to talk with me about this, um, she had seen it before, I never had, is Amy, aka Red Fraggle 3. How you doing, Amy? Hey, Travis. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Absolutely. So, so okay. You brought this movie to me. You you suggested it. You said you really really like this movie. So I kind of want to get your history with it. How how when did you see it for the first time? Is it one that you watch a lot? Kind of give me a little background on that. Oh, great story this is. Okay, so I was first introduced to this movie by a boy. Um, I was a freshman in college, and we were on Christmas break. And I went to UGA, but I also, I grew up in Athens, which is where UGA is. And so me going home for Christmas was just going up the block to my mom's house. Okay. So I was hanging out, you know, it wasn't actually Christmas day or anything. And, and you know, this guy and I had been friends. I'd been to a few parties at his apartment or whatever. And I called him up randomly and I said, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just about to sit down and watch the apartment. And I said, oh, what's that? And he said, you've never seen it? And he, I said, no. And uh, he said, well, come on over and we'll watch it. It's a great movie. So I went over, watched it, and then I ended up dating him for about a year and a half, two years. Wow. Um, yeah. Had I, had I known anything about the movie, I probably would have been like, wait. This is a, <laughs> you know. Hold um, on now. Like, What's up? My 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 pal is trying to make a move, but um but yeah, so that's that's how I got introduced to it. And I really I expected it to be I was like, "Oh, okay, this is an old black and white movie. It's going to be, you know, kind of cheesy and over the top, which at times it is, but it had a really surprisingly great story and some really not you know, surface level themes. Like this is not the Dick Van Dyke show. No, you know, it is not. Um, in fact, we should probably give a little bit of a content warning on it um, because it does have some references to suicide and things like yes. that. In it. Yep. That is a, so. a good point. We are going to be talking a little bit uh, on those, those subjects because this movie went in directions that I wasn't uh, prepared for. Um, and so I had heard of this movie Um much like another Billy Wilder that uh, I watched um, not that long ago, uh, Sunset Boulevard. And I went into this with about the same amount of knowledge uh, as I did with Sunset Boulevard, which is to say it's a movie um, and it was directed by Billy Wilder and it had Jack Lemmon in it. That was the extent of my knowledge when I started watching mm -hmm. this. And it definitely was not what I was expecting it to be, um, but it was really good. And right? I totally and get then, like, why it won the Academy Award. 
Right. Well, and like Fred McMurray, who was like the guy from My Three Sons, the that, super wholesome America's dad before Bob Saget was America's dad, like freaking is the villain. Like, you know? That blew I mean, my mind because he, right. the, the, the movies, like the cast, I definitely am going to talk about the cast, but when he showed up for a second, I was like, I know who that is. Why do I know who that is? So I looked it up. And it's been so long since I've watched My Three Sons, but I it was one of those shows that was a Nick at Night thing that would, you know, it would play reruns for like two hours every day. And yeah, so, shout out to my Gen Xers who all yes. know what Nick at Night is. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And so, and when I realized that's who it was, I was like, holy cow. Like, I just, it, it blew my mind to have him, the dad from My Three Sons, as this cat this terrible person Mm -hmm. and and i guess from reading about the making of the movie and some quotes and things later on like this was a big deal for him to do that in the first place and he was really reluctant to because he had just signed on with disney like the year before um Mm. to do yeah because he did the absent-minded professor right like he he did the original absent-minded professor yeah um i remember Mm -hmm. that one i remember he did uh um the shaggy dog shaggy dog yes was another Mm -hmm. one so yeah you're right he was he was bob saget before bob saget and to have him being this character and he's just just slimy and just and like yeah but not in an overt way like he comes across the first scene with him they set it up so perfectly because you're thinking, okay, so he's kind of, he's going to go buds in trouble. Like exactly. Bud is about to go to the woodshed and nope. <laughs> and then it turns and I was like, okay, all right. So let's strap in and let's see what we got going on because they'd already like to that point you had seen uh, him interact with a couple of the other higher ups, uh, but none of them were to Mr. Sheldrake's level. Um, right. But it was, you know, it was Ray Walston who, was that was another treat for me. Every time I see his name pop up in credits, I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to have fun. Like mm-hmm. there's just something about Ray Walston. I don't know what it is. I think it dates back to when I was in high school and, um, we watched damn Yankees and mm-hmm. he shows up, he's in damn Yankees as the devil. Yeah. And there was just something about Ray Walston playing the devil in damn Yankees. I was just like, Every time I see him now in something, um, even something silly like Project Alf, where he's playing the the owner of the hotel that uh, Alf is staying in in that movie. Like mm-hmm. he's just he's silly. So I'd seen him and some of the other act. But then Fred McMurray, it just it just threw me for a loop. I was not prepared for that. Right. And that, that was the first of many things I wasn't prepared for in this movie. Um, but boy, what a cast for for a cast that's not there's not like a a ton of parts, right? There's a lot of just extras and background, but it really is um, Bud and Fran and uh, and Mr. Sheldrake and then a few other characters. And Jack Lemon and Shirley MacLaine just crush it in this. They are so yeah. good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I didn't even, the first time I saw this movie, you know, I thought of, oh, Shirley MacLaine, you know, I'm thinking terms of endearment, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing, you know, po- postcards from the edge, you know, kind of the, the, the golden girls level lady. No, she is quite the ingenue in this movie. I didn't even recognize her at first until she spoke, <coughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. So. It took me a second to recognize her, but uh, what I liked about her was she, there were so many moments in this 
that she expressed so much without saying a word. Um, and the one that really got me was when Sheldrake, after she gives him the gift on mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, uh, she hands him the record. He opens it up and he, he seems appreciative, but kind of surface level. Um, and, and when he says, you know, oh, we, we better leave this here. And she kind of is resigned to like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then he just pulls out his, his billfold and gives her a hundred dollar bill. That moment right there was so well acted. There was so much emotion and you could see all the things going on in her head um, mm-hmm. without a single word uttered. And I watched this twice because I watched it just to take it all in and then I watched it a second time to kind of just just poke at it a little bit more and, and see what I could kind of glean out of it uh, on a second watch. And that second time through, knowing the events of what are going to unfold, it's even that much that much more yeah in that moment it's like and and the the score does an excellent job right there too because you see like she looks down at that hundred dollar bill and then looks Mm -hmm. back up at him but she does that thing where she doesn't move her head she just looks up at him with her eyes yep and it's like oh you really are a bastard you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I swear on this show? That's fine. That's fine. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, but oh. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you, you really like, you really don't care about me at all. You just, cause you didn't even bother to, to even look for anything for a gift for me. You're just paying me, you know? Yeah. Just and, you. and yeah, just that, that's the moment where you, you fully understand how bad of a person Sheldrake is. And and everything that she's going through, and then for the the way the scene to unfold, the way it does, where she she gets up and she's just kind of like robotically starts taking off her jacket and makes the comment about, well, as long as it's paid for, I figured. And he, you know, mm-hmm. he tries to walk it back, but it's pretty insincere, and she knows it at that by that point. Like she's finally, yet she can't seem to get over him either. Right. Right. And it's yeah. heartbreaking. It, it really, it really is, and 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 for for the way the rest of that to play out because she goes into the bed, you know, she goes into the bathroom. At this point, she has no idea it's Bud's apartment, um, mm-hmm. but she goes into the bathroom and she's washing her face and and she notices the pill bottle and all of this is going on and she she has no dialogue. It's just Shirley MacLaine acting off of herself, and it's really powerful. Um, and mm-hmm. you see the oh, yeah. wheels turning, you see her kind of thinking about it and then putting the pill bottle back and then sort of making the decision of what she's going to do. And so she pours herself a glass of water and then we cut away. Um, and, and the first time watching it, it hit me so hard because I just wasn't expecting that in a movie from 1960. Like I didn't right? anticipate yeah. they were going to go that, that deep in this. Cause as mm-hmm. you said, it, it, goes beyond like surface level stuff it's i'm i'm anticipating you know more just kind of uh almost madcap kind of humor and like zaniness in a lot of ways and that's not what you get here uh at all right Um, one thing i love about this movie is how well they they set things up like even mm-hmm. just tiny small things oh, absolutely. like the pill bottle because they set that up like we know that they're sleeping pills because bud says earlier you know when um mr dobish calls him you know in the middle of the night with yep. his 
lady that he picked up that looked like Marilyn Monroe, um, he says, I've already taken a sleeping pill. Just that, just that little mm-hmm. detail that told us that later on. And then things like the mirror in the compact and, yep. you know, the, the break. And that's like the moment when the moment that Bud figures out that it's her that Shell Drake is taking to his apartment. and But at that point, she doesn't know. Yeah. And then she doesn't know until, you know, after her attempt essentially and and all that like so it's it's just brilliant the way they set these things up these little small things that you just pick up you know like little dominoes falling yeah um it's a a brilliant brilliant job of of story weaving well once again it's a testament to how this movie won an academy award and was nominated for the script as well uh it's uh billy wilder and um oh IAL Diamond wrote the script and they do so much of that. I I wrote down a few different things where they they set something up and then they pay it off later and they and, and it's always something innocuous or kind of a throwaway line. That whole oh I just took a sleeping pill. I sh- I shouldn't, you know, da da and then later on she finds the bottle of sleeping pills or the key, the fact that um that Dobish left the wrong key and it was for the executive washroom. Right? And yeah. that's that's used later on as him giving the quote wrong key to to Sheldrake or like all sorts of stuff even Miss uh, Olson his Sheldrake's secretary they set up early on that she's nosy and that she'll listen in to his phone conversations and that's what does him in that's what does in Sheldrake because she listens in on it finally gets some actual information she can do something with and then calls his wife right um, so and is like the one to kind of basically take him down in a way. So all that kind of stuff, even, uh, even little, little lines like, um, when now there's a conversation between Bud and Fran as they're walking down the street and he lets slip that he knows like her address and who she lives with and all this stuff because he looked her up in the system, mm-hmm. which today <laughs> that's plays, creepy today right yes it plays very <laughs> creepy today i was like ooh, oh, that's just you know and she's taking it oh it's endearing and it's cute that he did that and i'm I'm thinking no it's not but but like okay however there's a line in that where he mentions that she had her appendix out and she's like don't be saying anything about that i don't want to get the people in the office the wrong idea of how you found out even that right. got used again later when she mentions i think it's his knee Yes. The wound on yeah. his knee. The scar on his knee. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's just that kind of stuff is is great because it shows people paying attention to their their story. And oh yeah. Well, and like the thing where they hold up four fingers, but yes. they say three. You know, like he says it. Like she asks him how many drinks he's had, and he laughs and he holds up four fingers and he says three, and then but then later on. You know, he asks her how many guys there were, and she holds up four fingers and says three, you know, yeah. and it's just all stuff like that. Or like, I'd spell it out for you, only I can't spell, you know, I mean, I just, oh, I love it. I love the way they, they, they just, like you say, they set those things up and then they pay them off for you. And it's great that you watched it twice because there's a lot of little things like that that you notice um, on subsequent watching. So yes, I have, just to answer your very very first question. Yes, I have watched. I have watched this movie many times, <laughs> many and, many times. 
it's it's the kind of movie if if the subject matter it, it doesn't um doesn't turn you off to the movie it's a really well constructed movie and it's really worth watching multiple times i do know folks that definitely it just it would touch kind of nerves and it would hit the wrong the wrong notes and that's fine um and and i can totally see that one of the things that i noticed on the second watch that um played very very differently is the scene where uh where bud is like yeah hold on let me see if i've got a a, a spare toothbrush and he starts going through like his cabinet Mm-hmm. plays so differently after you get the reveal of what happened with him in Cincinnati. Because the first time around I'm watching it and I'm thinking, okay, so he's, he's really concerned for her. But now as I'm watching it, I'm, I'm paying more attention to sort of the way he's going about it. And he, the fact that he has gone through what she did and tried yep. to, uh, to, take his own life and the way that he kind of goes about realizing, Oh no, this, you know, he's, he's having these epiphanies of all these different things that are around that he has to hide from her. Um, so it just played very differently that second time. And, uh, also putting the razors in his pocket was, I'm like, Oh man, that, yeah. I don't, I don't like that idea at all. <laughs> um, well, and it's like that old school razor where he had to, you know, screw it up and take the blade out. Mm-hmm. And then, but then he went to shave his face later and was like, wait, why isn't this working? Oh, right. There's no blade in it. I also uh, think, I, I think one of the things that I, uh, I was surprised that it went in the direction that it did, but I was also very surprised with how deftly it handled the subject matter. It didn't make mm-hmm. it uh, into a joke. It didn't make her seem hysterical in any way. Um, or like, I didn't get this feeling that they were, that, that they weren't taking that seriously. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And like, it was just handled very, very well and very kind of realistically. But Bud seems genuinely concerned for her in part because he can empathize with her for going through what she is going through. Um, and I think that that is very, uh, well done and again, better, better handled than I would have expected given the kind of time frame of when the movie came out and just sort of, some of it's my own preconceived notions of what movies were like back then too. Sure. Yeah. Well, and same, this, this really broke my expectations of, you know, what a, what a fifties and sixties movie is, right? Like, you know, I grew up watching stuff like my fair lady and, Mm -hmm you know, things, things of that nature. And yeah, so all the old movies, particularly mostly the, the black and white movies I'd seen were of the, you know, uh, the shaggy dog or the absent-minded professor variety. So that's kind of what I was expecting. We sat down to watch this old black and white movie. And then I got this, I got something completely different than that. And it was, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. It's really, it's really, really well done. And you're right. They do handle it really well. And in particular, I liked how how well they painted Sheldrake as just such an odious, mm-hmm. disgusting narcissist. You know what I mean? Like he's just, at, you know, he he plays her so well. And even when he found out what she had done and he got on the phone with her, even then he didn't really even show her any empathy no. or concern. He belittled her. He mm-hmm. was like, Oh, so childish. Why do you do this? You know, why, why would you do such a thing? You know? And, and he just did, he just didn't care. And it was quite obvious that he didn't care. 
Well, and, and, you know, with a movie with this few characters, there's only a couple characters that are even worthwhile. Um, yeah, Bud, uh, CC Baxter is a good person. Um, but he's got some, he has drawbacks. His flaws are, are not being confident enough in himself and just sort of letting people walk over him and, and utilize, you know, use him for what they want, um, in a lot of ways and sort of wanting to have the, the reputation, um, without, and not really fully understanding what that meant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Fran is, is overall a good person. Um, and she is very likable. Uh, her baggage is, is, you know, not being able to sort of get over these, uh, the, these men, you know, falling for the wrong men, uh, type of thing. But the other, the other, the, especially the other male characters in this between Sheldrake and Dobish and, uh, Kirkby, they're terrible. Mm-hmm. They're all horrible. Right? They're mean. Yeah, it, it makes it sound like everybody cheated on their wife then. And it was just a, you know, like that's literally what everybody did. And <laughs> it, everybody in like, they don't, you know, and they all, they all are using this guy's apartment as a way to cheat on their wives so that they don't have to register at a hotel. They have plausible deniability, all this kind of stuff. They're just terrible. They're all terrible. And then, and then on top of that, like they're manipulative of him and make him feel bad when, mm-hmm. when he, when he doesn't want that to happen anymore. It's yeah. Just oh, awful. let him try to set up a boundary, and they threaten mm. him immediately. Yeah. You know, and so yeah, he get, he falls into a, a really serious trap where you know he he says it when he's telling us the backstory of how it happened he's like well you know you can't say yes to one guy and then no to another guy like you know so i end up just giving my apartment out to everybody who asks for it you know so he just yeah. feels like he can't set any boundaries and then once he tries to oh man do these guys walk all over him i will say there is one other male character who is worth his salt, and that is Dr. Dreyfus. Oh, he's great. That was I was gonna mention I him. Love him. I love and Mrs. Dreyfus is my absolute favorite. I adore her so but we that is a thing we have said in my household for the longest time. Like if we're setting the table, we're like, oh, with the drinking and the cha-cha <laughs> and the no napkins. <laughs> the, those two were wonderful because they're just this this lovely couple lives next door to him. They don't necessarily like, they don't approve of everything that's going on in his apartment, but they're not busybodies. They're not nosy where they're like sticking their nose in and know everything that's going on. They're just like, boy, it's loud over there, but he seems like a good kid. And, and I love them. I absolutely adored those two. Uh, the Dreyfus, uh, the Dreyfuses, mm-hmm. Dreyfus, Dreyfuses. That sounds Dreyfuses, yeah. feels weird, but Mr. I'll, and I'll, Mrs. I'll go. Dreyfus. there we yeah. go. <laughs> They were just great. They were they were so like Dr. Dreyfus was just wonderful uh, throughout the whole thing and I can understand also why he got nominated for best supporting actor uh in 1960 because he, he like he was just great and the scene where Mrs. Dreyfus comes in with the food it's the scene the the first part of that in the hallway is just great cuz she's just like look there's no secrets between us. I know everything is going on now. I wouldn't lift a finger to help you, but her her, I will help. I will go make some breakfast and like right. comes in with the tray of food. And she's just like, she's feeding her the soup. And it's just, ah, oh, it's, it, I love that so much. I, that was a scene I had to watch. Definitely had to make sure. Cause the second time through watching it, I did kind of skip around a little bit. Um, 
and like skip, uh, just kind of skip ahead on certain, certain areas. Uh, but not that one. No. Um, Mrs. Dreyfus got my full attention. She was great. I just love even like, do you have napkins? And he's like, I've got paper towels. I mean, he's a bachelor. What does he need napkins for? You know, he, he spends most of his nights eating TV dinners. Um, and, uh, and she's just like, go into, go into my kitchen, third door drawer down, find a napkin. Yeah. I loved her. Beatnik. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that was so great. Oh, Beatnik. Such a, so wonderful. I, yeah. They, they were, they were great. The, the, um, uh, landlady was fine. Um, I liked her. She, she was very, again, sort of knowing what's going on and not really super approving of it, but there's nothing illegal happening and there's no reason for her to just browbeat him. She's just like, you need to be more careful. Um, but yeah, uh, Dr. Dreyfus. And I, I liked how he just comes in, like he sees the door open towards the end when um, when uh, her brother-in-law is there and just, just comes walking in asking how the patient is. Like he, he doesn't understand because it's, you know, it's the comedy of uh, the comedy of like people, not everyone knowing the full story. Right. So yeah, that was a that was a fun little scene. Um, it's just this movie definitely surprised me in in so many good ways. Um, again, talking about like the surprising things of uh, you know Fred McMurray, but also I mean, sure, I I was the same with you. I I always thought of Shirley MacLaine, you know, from from later on. So this was really cool to see. I love Jack Lemmon. But for mm-hmm. me, oh, yeah. I'm I'm of the age where when I think of Jack Lemmon, what I think of is like grumpy old men because that's what I remember the first few things I saw of him was. It's him later on in life. He's great in this. He plays this character like perfectly where he's he's likable, he's an, he he's a kind person that just can't seem to get out of his own way. Right. Yeah, that's a perfect way to characterize him. That's exactly right. He's just kind of this little he's he's a very nebbishy guy, you know. Mm-hmm. He's like yep. he's he doesn't know how to doesn't he, like as uh, as Fran says in the movie there's there's takers and there's people who get took. And he's definitely someone who gets took. And it's interesting to me that he doesn't he doesn't even mind that I, I, what what always bothers me every time is that you're right. Like Bud is so likable; he's such a nice guy, and and Jack Lemon just plays him to a T. It's 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 gorgeous, and you're sitting there this whole time watching it and going, "No, I really like this guy. Why do you guys hate him? You no, know, it's know. not him. You know, and it's always just like, oh, Mildred, he's at it again. You know." Yeah. And but it but you're just going, no, it's not him. It's not his fault. You know. Yeah, he just so. his inability to say no to people puts him in these situations and then he he always is the one to fall on the sword, too. And that's that's brought up uh in the scene with Carl where mm-hmm. you know the here's this uh this guy that he only knows is her brother-in-law and drives a cab. That's all he knows about him. And he comes in and, I mean, dude is just, he's just angry. He's ready to knock his block off, all this kind of stuff. You even see that one moment where he's sort of, uh, Bud almost looks a little bit angry. And he's like, do you want a martini? Like, he just can't help but be nice and kind to people. And then when it comes down to it and and Fran is basically like, yes, I took a bunch of sleeping pills, but come on, I'm better now. Let's go. And she's trying to get Carl out of there. And, and 
what does Bud do? He's like, yeah, it was because of me. And knowing full well that saying that, this guy is going to come after him. Right. And he just does it anyway. He takes the hit. Um, he's he he just take or he you know he's always getting taken by everyone until the very end, and he finally has had enough. And that scene where he tells Sheldrake, you know, gives him the key and then walks into his office. And again, it's it's set up so perfectly, kind of like the first scene with Sheldrake where things are going in a certain direction and then they kind of flip on you. And they did uh-huh. a similar thing here where it's going in a certain direction. You sort of feel like, okay, no, this is we're towards the end of the movie, something else has got to happen, but but they don't they don't tip their hand too early. And right. it's it's his it's it's all done in his performance and his actions when he goes back into his office. And then he's like closing things up and and all that. And then we get the reveal of it from Sheldrake. And it's just it's such a well constructed, well written scene that uh it felt really earned and it was kind of one of those fist pump moments like, Yes, finally, good work, bud. You're finally standing up for yourself and doing what you should have done a while back, which is tell these people to go pound sand. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And uh, and then when Fran figures it out, because and I mean, honestly, Sheldrake is the architect of his own demise in he a is. lot of ways, because mm-hmm. he just he just pushes everything just a little too far. You know, if he'd uh, if he'd have fired Miss Olsen after he broke up with her, it wouldn't have happened if he had, you know, if he had not pushed his luck with Bud. And I mean, because at that point, you know, he's. you know we're at the towards the end of the movie he's separated he's yeah okay he's staying at the you know what is it his athletic club or whatever yeah you're a big time executive go get a hotel Mm -hmm. you know if he'd have done that he'd have been fine and then at the very very end he opens his mouth to fran and he literally tells on himself to fran and you know and then that's when she realizes like oh like he was in love with me, you know, Bud was in love with me the whole time. And yeah. that's why he did all this. And Jeff is a jerk. You know? <laughs> and she just like, that's when that was the aha moment for her. And honestly, I thought, okay, this movie is not afraid to be dark. So in that scene, when she's running down the street and you get that, the very, you know, sort of 60s, she's running with her head back and, you know, mm-hmm. and it's the, the score is playing and all of that. And it's very dramatic. I was like, oh, God, she's going to get hit by a car or something. <laughs> I I honestly but, was expecting her to run into an empty apartment. That's what I thought um, she would come into. Mm-hmm. It was like she would come into the apartment and there was nothing there. Like he had just managed to get everything out before that. And honestly, I think if this movie were made for the first time within like, let's say the last 10 years, that's probably how it would have ended. Um, yeah. But I liked the ending a lot. I liked the fact that they got together, but it wasn't your traditional kind of Hollywood ending mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And just the way that then they sit down and they just go back to their gin rummy game. And just the way that yeah. that goes about happening where because bud is so well first of all uh i expected her to go come into an empty apartment and then to have her come into the building and you hear that pop yeah yeah and and that moment of panic on her face and i'm thinking there's no way there is no way they're going to end the movie like that um 
but I was prepared. Like at this point I was prepared for anything because who knows? (laughs) Um, so then for him to open up the door and it's the champagne bottle, uh, was, was a wonderful way to end that because now he's confused a little bit as to what all is going on. Cause he had basically, he had come to come to terms with the fact that it just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen for them. Um, and I love that scene in the lobby, uh, where he's, where he points over to the woman that's like pacing saying, yeah, I got a date mm-hmm. with her. Um, and then, uh, like as soon as he started walking in that direction, I kind of had it in my head, like, no, there's nothing that's, she's not anyone important. Um, and I love the way, like, it's just all that, all that stuff, how it all played out, how they set it up and how they paid it off was so satisfying in so many of those scenes, whether it was that one, whether it was the very ending and the last line of the movie, shut up and deal. Like I shut just up, deal. Such yeah. a great way mm-hmm. to end that movie. Oh, Oh, it's so good. Well, and that goes back to what you were saying about Shirley MacLaine and how well she acts with her face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, because um, we know that Bud is in love with Fran. Like that's been very clear from the from the first scene in the elevator. You yeah. know, it was that was made very very clear. So we didn't need anything really from him in that, other than that kind of the stunned silence of what the hell are you doing here? And what, what, what do you mean? You want the cards? What, what's going on? Like, yeah. he's just absolutely flabbergasted. And then he just, he just spills his guts and tells her he loves her. And the look that she just gives him, she just smiles. And, and it's just that, that lovely, just adoring smile. And she's shut up and deal, you know, yep. and you know, like, they are going to be Mr. and Mrs. Dreyfus later. You know, yes. they are going to be that that couple. And, you know, and they pay that off so well because normally, as you say, normally in a, in a you know, a Hollywood sort of setting, you know, it would end with a big smooch, yep. you know. Um, but but they didn't and they didn't need to. And it really, it really was just absolutely charming the way they, they ended it. I love it. It was because they... What I liked was for a story arc, he's already infatuated with her and she is friendly with him. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, but, you know, she's she's only got eyes for uh, Jeff Sheldrake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the way that they bonded, because they did bond over trauma, which does happen often in movies. But this felt like a real type of bonding because even though he felt something for her and she was starting to kind of realize that he's a nice guy and why can't she fall in love with somebody like him? When, when she left the apartment, there was no like tension there. It was sort of, they had mm-hmm. like, both of them had kind of come to the realization that it's pro- it's never going to happen between the two of them. Um, but they, they made a connection while he was there and because he just, took care of her and he wanted her he wanted what was best for her regardless of what the outcome was going to be for him and i i liked that so then for her to to have the realization and come back and he just like you know like you say he's just he's just gobsmacked and flabbergasted by the whole thing because he not only has he kind of come to this realization but then to have everything that happened with him and sheldrake where he goes up to the office 
with this idea. And I, that was another part of it that I didn't think aged super great, which was this whole idea of I'm going to take her off your hands. Yeah. Um, and right. sort of like, removing all of her agency. She has no agency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. There's, like, I mean, you know, it's a product of its time. It is. So. It is. Uh, for it handled a lot of things very well. That is definitely a product of its time in the way that they, you know, everyone sort of looked at her almost as an object um, that could use some uh, updating. But I think overall, I think that at the same time, like Shirley MacLaine plays the character very strongly. So she sort of takes the agency at the end, which is again it's very empowering and i liked the way that they did that um but yeah it's just like he's he's been browbeaten and browbeaten and then he's he's like i'm no i'm gonna go for it and then gets the rug pulled out from under him by sheldrake so he's essentially given up and then to have her just show up like that and she's basically like i'm here i loved his reaction to it so it's just and it was satisfying I think mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, that's that's one of the things with this movie that I liked so much was that it was the story felt satisfying and all of the beats and all of the things that they were going through felt earned throughout the movie. Nothing felt cheap. Right. Yeah. And that that is the perfect uh, description is that they earned it. Every everything was earned, including, uh, you know, you point out that. Fran is really likable, which is remarkable for a movie of its time, right? Like she is the other woman, right? Like she mm-hmm. is knowingly sleeping with a married man. Yep. She knows that she, that this man is having an affair with her and that he has kids and he has a whole family out in, you know, Long Island or wherever he lives. And uh, she doesn't care, you know, um, she, she ha- only has eyes for him. But we like her anyway, and I think they were very smart because they don't reveal to us that it's her until well into the movie. Um, you know, it's they have they have made us like her already. Yes. Before they give us that, and they had to, right? Because otherwise, you're going to look at her with a little bit of a side eye, like, yeah, but you're. You know, you're doing this thing that you know is wrong. But by that point, we already like her and we already have bought into her. And so then we can see her as, oh, she is his latest victim. Yep. Yes. You know, because that's exactly what she is. And, you know, he has a a whole string of, you know, women in the office. Like, this guy is just a walking HR violation. Yes. And, and, and that was, again, that's that type of thing where they, they, they slowly revealed stuff to have the Christmas party scene be where not only is Fran learning about what Sheldrake is really like, but we're learning about that from his secretary who up until this point, we've only seen in a few scenes and she seems like she just is his secretary and she does what he needs done and and all of that. And then we find out, oh no, she's not only... Uh, got the dirt on him. She's got all the dirt on him and is not holding it back either. Right. Um, right. So yeah, that was that was very deftly done and very smart uh, from a from a filmmaking standpoint to to reveal that when they did. Um, I really appreciated that too. That was just that was great. I, the the character of Mrs. Olson um, 
in, in a lot of ways is underutilized because most of what she does takes place off camera. Um, like I, I would love to have been uh, a fly on the wall for her conversation with Sheldrake's wife at the, at the right? restaurant. So that would have been fantastic. Um, I love, I loved just the phone call. She's like, well, I, I don't know how important it is, but you might find it educational. And there's just so there is a razor's edge on the word educational. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I do. I love the way they framed her because at first you don't even when when she comes into the Chinese restaurant and sees them together. Yep. You're not even sure that that's her until she puts her glasses on. Yes. And then you're like, oh, that's the secretary. Oh, no. You know, they're busted now. And, um, you know, but then they they even managed to make her a sympathetic character in that regard. Like mm -hmm. she comes up, to, you know, she comes up to Fran and says, oh, it's not you. It's him. Yes. You know, oh, such a good reveal because you're right. Like when her putting the glasses on in the Chinese restaurant, that is the, the moment where you're like, okay, all right. So now she knows something. What's she going to do with that? And then nothing happens for a while. Mm -hmm. And then they bring it back at the Christmas party. It's such a great, oh, just this, this movie is written so well. And what I'm finding is that uh, I, I really like Billy Wilder as a director <laughs> and, right? and a writer, like yeah. the more stuff I see, cause sunset Boulevard was the same way where I didn't, all I knew about sunset Boulevard going into it was the, you know, I'm ready for my close up line, which I didn't even know the context of. And I'm watching that. And it just, the way that they revealed story elements and the way that they, they set everything up. He's so good at doing that. And this movie I think is even in some ways better at it. Um, it's just fantastic. So well, I'm so glad you liked it because I mean this is one of my as you as I mentioned before I have I have seen this movie many times and I I was I think I was 18 or 19 when I first saw it and it has been one of my favorites ever since and so and and but it's not it's not a kind of a mainstream movie right like it's not like My Fair Lady or you know one of your or Casablanca or one of those classic movies that everybody in the world has heard of. And so um, I find myself like, here, come watch this movie with me. You know, like my, my husband now, I made him watch it because <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, yes, if you want to be my friend, watch The Apartment because it's a great movie. You know? And, and I, think, so. I think some of that is like, it should be more kind of well-known, but I think the subject matter and the way that it handles the subject matter is the type of thing that, again, it, it can be triggering for certain people. And it's not, mm -hmm. it's, it's not like a super in your face. Um, like a movie that I'm watching, uh, for next week is train spotting. Um, and, Oh, okay. Yeah. And that, that is, movie. it's a challenging yeah. movie. It's really, really good. I, I, mm -hmm. I'm going to give that away right now. Um, it's very good, but it is very challenging. When I watched, um, about, I think it was two years ago. Um, I did a month of Oscar winner movies. And um, so I showed people, uh, and I actually watched for the first time Monster, uh, Mystic River, The King's Speech, um, and Training Day. And the thing that I noticed about a lot of those, like Monster is a phenomenal movie. It's, in, it's amazing. I never want to watch it again. 
Um, yeah, that's how I feel about Train Spotting. Is like I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I saw that movie. I never need to see it again. You know, I'm very exactly. glad I saw it. It's excellent. <laughs> it's well made. I have nothing bad to say about it, but I don't want to watch it again. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And and I I don't want to say that the apartment is quite to that level. Um, unless the subject matter really hits a nerve, in which case I can completely get that. But the way that it handles uh, the the topics is so well mm-hmm. done that uh, I think, and because the characters are so, or at least Cece Baxter and Fran are so likable that it makes it easier to watch more than once. Um, because it, it, yeah. this this is not a movie that for me personally... Um, I would say I never want to see again, but I do like, I know I, having seen it now, I, I know the types of people that I could recommend this to. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it different from a Casablanca, from a My Fair Lady, from, uh, you know, some of the Disney fair of that era. Like a lot of the, like My Fair Lady, you can pretty much just say, you know, yeah, everybody, everybody can watch that or his girl Friday or, or something like that. Um, this mm-hmm. one, this is one that you definitely want to kind of. You want to read the person you're going to uh, ask to watch it um, before they do. Uh, but, oh, sure. But it's absolutely worth seeing. Um, I did uh, read a little bit of the trivia, and some of these did uh, you know, kind of tickle me. Um, Jack Lemmon talking about the character of Baxter. And we sort of talked about this. He's you know He thought of him as very ambitious and gullible. But what I like is he realizes at the end he's just a dumb kid and he's been had. And uh-huh. that's such a great kind of description of what happened. He he realizes he was rationalizing his morals and his his values uh, in order to either get ahead or uh, just be liked by more people. And for him to have that realization and just sort of be like, well, I'm going to leave. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I'm just, I'm leaving. I can't do this anymore um, is great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very brave, frankly. It's like, oh, very. well, good on you, dude. <laughs> Also, we can't talk about this movie without talking about some of the the changes in um, in in economics since 1959, 1960. Oh my gosh! Yes. Because he, <laughs> the beginning of the movie, he talks about the the population in New York City, uh, but he makes ninety four dollars and seventy cents a week take home pay, which mm-hmm. adjusted for inflation is somewhere around forty eight thousand dollars a year in today's money take home pay. But his apartment... He lives in a brownstone. (laughs) Yes. His apartment is $85 a month, which even if you adjust for inflation is like $750, $800 a month, something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy to live where he does, what is it, half a block from Central Park, right? Because he spends that night in Central Park. Right, yeah. That, I, don't I even, mean, he lives in this gorgeous brownstone, oh, and you're like, how is that even happening? You that, know, I want that apartment. That apartment was go- just amazing. Uh, right? Even, even like the, the simple things like the way his uh, kitchen was set up. And like I love, I love little moments like that where he walks in and he opens up the, the oven and he has to light the match in order to light the actual oven um, mm-hmm. or light the stove. Uh, and, and the fact that Fran didn't realize that. I thought that was great too, where she's like, oh, you have to light it? Yes, in this house we have to light it. Um, But yeah, he's living in the apartment for I love that too because the two of them are both just kind of clueless, right? Like Mm -hmm. she has that, and they set that up really well too, where she's like, 
you know, okay, she's she's working, she's doing her own thing, but she's clearly not a domestic type at all because she doesn't even know how to light an oven, you know? Yeah. Like, so it's it's funny. But not only like the raw numbers of, you know, his apartment costing the equivalent of like $800 today, but it's the percentages too, right? Because like that $800 apartment today it, for him in 1960, it's like 20% of his monthly income. And I think, you know, these days you'd be spending well over half your income on your apartment alone in New York. Oh, yeah. If you're lucky enough to have a job that pays you um, fairly well. And he's he's working extra hours without overtime, <laughs> which uh-huh. was another one of those. Uh, just, there's so many moments like that. Or even like uh, Dobish coming out of the cab with the girl, the Marilyn Monroe lookalike that he he met at the bar. And he gets out of and the cab. And he's got the drinks. He's like double fisting it. Yeah. <laughs> he's got four <laughs> drinks in his hand that are all glassware that he got from the bar and that he took out onto the streets and then they're paying the 70 cents for the cab. So he just gives him a dollar. Uh, I'm just watching all this. I'm just thinking, oh man, it was a totally different world back then. Completely different. Right. Just a whole other planet. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's fun. It's like, it's, it's quaint to see that kind of stuff. And, and it, it, there's part of me that wants to live in that world, but I know, I know that that it, it's not everything that it was cracked up to be. Obviously, um, we know that, but but like that world that's depicted in this movie, I want that apartment. I want I want to live <laughs> there and have that silly little tiny stove that you got to light with a match, and he's got his his little dinky, uh, um, oh uh, the refrigerator. Or even like the remote control for his TV that's just wired and like sitting on a table. Yeah, it's like that big box with the, yeah, where he flips through the channels. That was great. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I want, I, I, I would not mind living in a world that was economically like that one. I gotta say, as a woman, I don't want anything to do with living in that world. No. But, um, (laughs) you know, but economically, just purely from that standpoint, yes. I, I can I can agree with you there. And that's the thing. I can say that I would like living in that world because for me, it's the the world that would uh, I would fit into that world very well, being a middle aged white man. Um, so yeah. I, I get that. But I even loved like him flipping through the channels and the the whole idea of like, oh, here's our movie of the week after we hear from our sponsor. He's like, oh, fine. He flips the <laughs> channel and he comes back around. He's like, here's our movie of the week after we hear from our alternate sponsor. And he's just like, I get right. it. And he finally, he just gives up rather than listening to the <laughs> to the one other ad, you know? Oh, I know. Also, that was funny. His, his TV dinner was not cooked. I'm sorry. That, that was cold chicken. That was not in the oven I know. long enough to cook. Yeah, um, and, well, and especially because you know back then they didn't have it. I mean, they they had frozen food clearly, but it was not it was not what we have today. Like no. he would have had to cook that for like forty five minutes or something for it to be properly cooked all the way through. Oh, oh, so. and and because I love to notice these little tropey things that happen in movies. Um, one of the things in in movies that is one of my favorite all time favorite just cheese ball trope is uh, the bag of groceries 
because inevitably <laughs> there's always bread sticking out of the bag of groceries. There's always a baguette, yeah. It's always a baguette. Now, in this it wasn't. In this it was a, a loaf of Wonder Bread. But I was like, mm-hmm. it's close enough, right? It's the New York City 60s equivalent of a baguette sticking out of the, the groceries. Like the baguette and a little and like celery or something like mm-hmm. that. And so that just made me chuckle too. Um, I, I just, uh, there's so many moments in this. this. This is a fantastic movie. It's definitely, like I say, it, the subject matter can be a little heavy. So, you know, be prepared for that if you're watching it for the first time. But if it's something that you've watched before, it's worth rewatching. Um, yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, it's not 13 reasons why. It's not, no. it's not like going to grab you and traumatize you forever. But it could, it, for certain people, as you say, who have that kind of trauma in their past, it could be triggering. So, Wanna wanna be sensitive to that for sure, but absolutely. I also do appreciate yeah. a movie that has lots of pop culture references, and this one did. And so that's that kind of time capsule thing too, because he mentions Ed Sullivan, um, uh, the the Cuban um, stuff going on in Cuba was mentioned mm-hmm. n- not once but twice. Oh, oh, the woman he picked up in the <laughs> bar, she's so great. I'm, oh, Margie, she's, and that's. That is the most slapsticky they get in the entire movie. And I love how they, I think they put that whole thing in there just so Jack Lemon could show off some of his like physical comedy chops. Because I think so. So funny. Like the way they're just dancing, like basically they're, they're like, they're like holding each other up in <laughs> yeah. the bar, you know? And then, and she's such a ridiculous caricature. And then, oh. you know, she's like, you ought to get yourself a new refrigerator. And, then, and of course, he has discovered Miss Kubelik in his in his bedroom and is freaking out. And he goes running out to get Dr. Dreyfus. But as <laughs> he runs out the door, she, I didn't mean right now. Oh, she was she was amazing. <laughs> like her introduction is great because she's just taking the straw she keeps unwrapping paper, the paper off the straws and just firing it across the bar at him and just not giving up. She's just going for it. She's going to get his attention. And when he, he just never pays attention to her. So she finally just walks over and is like, buy me a drink. I'll buy some music. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it's so great. She was delightful. Um, And her, (laughs) in one, one moment, she's describing her husband who's stuck in a jail in Havana. And I love that too. Oh, he was a jockey and he got caught doping a horse. Uh, yeah. But, and <laughs> like she's, a little chihuahua. <laughs> she's describing him that way. And then later on, she's like, he'll, he'll knock your face in. Like it just mm-hmm. oh, it cracked me up. I, I, she was so silly and, and so much fun. It was like the perfect kind of, uh, uh, lev- moments of levity that they needed, um, to set up what was happening. And what we were going to get revealed. Uh, so it was really, really, again, earned and well done. Because here's, you know, this is the lowest point for Bud in the movie. Because he's had that realization of, oh no, Fran is is the woman that, that Sheldrake has been with. Um, well, and he got sober ridiculously quick. for the. No- I mean, like, I counted, there's a lot of olives on that bar. He there drank were. a lot of gin, <laughs> you know, and so he was really drunk. And then, bang, he sobered up really quickly. 
but that was always one of those moments where to me where he's he's kicking the other woman out he's bringing in the doctor and he had the perfect opportunity to just explain to dr dreyfus like look i loaned this i loaned some other guy the key to my apartment and this is his girlfriend, but I know her. She's somebody I work with. Can you please help her? That's all he had to say. He didn't, you know. Yeah. But he takes the fall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he like he's trying trying so hard to cover it all up because I think that is the, that is sort of the job that he, that's his second job, right? Yes. Is being the proprietor of this apartment for these guys that are cheating on their wives is that he also is sort of agreeing to covering up all of their shenanigans. Yeah. And so that's like, he's like still doing that job. He's still carrying that when he didn't really have to. No. You know? No, he so, didn't. But he couldn't help himself. Sad. That was, that was yeah. who Bud was. Bud couldn't help himself but to do that uh, to his own detriment most of the time. And he finally... Mm-hmm. Finally, by the end of it, realized he can't keep doing that, at least not here. He's got to go somewhere else and he's got to get out of this situation because he'll, he, if he doesn't do it now, he never will. Right. So, um, exactly. One thing I did want to mention because it fascinated me from a filmmaking standpoint was a technical thing right at the beginning. That shot of that office looks amazing because that office just looks gigantic. And you know this is all shot on a stage. You know, they're, they're doing this on sound stages. And I, I learned that what they did, I thought this was kind of cool, was the front part of it was all normal-sized desks, normal-sized people doing their thing. But then as the frame got further and further back, it, they used children, and they had them dress up, and they had smaller desks. And then further beyond that were like little cardboard cutouts that they would have wires on to move them around a little bit to create the the size of that office. And like I love old Aww. school filmmaking stuff like that um, because, you know, obviously today you would use some sort of a CG extension and you could mm-hmm. make that look bigger. And uh, but I love that idea of like they had to figure out a practical way to do this with the limitations that they had and they pulled that off because you would never know like i would never know that if i hadn't read about it my whole thought was like they must have done some sort of a blue screen thing and like had a larger room because it, it felt it felt weird looking but also real at the same time it was hard to explain and i just love stuff like that so um yeah this movie was fantastic i'm really glad that you suggested it um i'm glad that i finally got to kind of check it off the 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 list of movies that i should see um for sure. So thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so glad that you liked it. You know, like you say, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not cotton candy. It's not like a, it's not for everybody, but I think it's, I think it's a really good movie. And I I think people who enjoy really well-made, well-written movies enjoy it. Yes. Yes. And that is the thing. It is crafted so well. And, and that makes, that makes the more uh, difficult subject matter a lot easier to deal with um, because right. of how well it's it's put together and how well the performances are done. So it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, and I'm so glad that I got to see it. And I'm so glad that we got to talk about it. Awesome. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. And 
Sorry, my internet decided to be a punk at the end of the show here, but... Well, you know, you know it, that, it, it, I've had worse, so... That's um, how it crumbles, cookie-wise. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on. This was a ton of fun. Um, where can people find you or what you're working on or, or anything like that? So I am Red Fraggle 3 on most of the the social medias so like on on twitter i'm red fraggle three but the three is all spelled out because somebody is squatting on the one with the number three um but you can you can follow me there on twitter you can uh follow me on tiktok if you want to see i i i make a lot of like really silly just honestly like my my tiktok channel is nothing but stuff that just kind of makes me giggle and makes me happy so i figure (laughs) okay but if i enjoy it then maybe other people will too so i throw it up there so feel free to follow me there um and uh you know it's all it's mostly like my dog licking my face and stuff like that so um but yeah, so feel free to follow me there and, um, you know, listen to the morning stream on Thursdays and, uh, I'll tell you what books to read and, um, and yeah, and I'll, I'll give you silly movies with Jack Lemon to watch. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so very, very much. Uh, this has been a ton of fun and I record the show live on Sundays, uh, Sunday nights at 8 PM Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV Stravis. So you can be like Cyrnex or Ace or Danny Aura in the chat. Phelan is in there tonight. I always like when the chat gets active and starts talking about the movie, um, while I'm recording because I can sort of half pay attention to it and, and see some, and usually get some interesting points to bring up too. Uh, so that's always fun. Uh, the show comes out on Wednesdays, wherever you can get podcasts, um, and uh, if you want to uh, support the show um, in any way or just any of the, the silly streams that I do, whether it's um, building a model, painting them, uh, playing Skyrim for the however manyth time uh, that I've played Skyrim, uh, you can do that at Kofi, ko-fi.com slash Travis. You can buy me a coffee there and, and, and financially support the channel or just watch um, and enjoy what I do. That's, that's the reason that I do it. So I have a ton of fun with it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, next week I am uh, watching Train Spotting. Uh, I actually have watched it already, um, which if I'm going to try and, and have it fresh in my brain, I might have to watch it again, which is, is we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But that is going to be next week coming up, um, which is going to be a fun conversation, I think, because there's a lot to it's talk the about. Baby you know, just that's <sighs> the worst. The that baby is scene. just ugh. get that one and you know maybe you'll be okay <laughs> i might have to i might have to yeah um but yeah that's what's coming up uh, i got some other fun stuff coming down the line uh very soon as well as uh we have kicked off season four of let's watch highlander that audie norman and i do uh, that's gonna be a lot of fun um so yeah i um, checked that out i didn't know you did that that's so cool i like you so you're watching like the highlander tv series yes Yep, we go episode by episode. Uh, we are we just started season four last week. Oh, I am so gonna check that out because season four was one of my favorite seasons. That's like there's a lot of mythos in that season. And, yep. Oh, it's great stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it is one of my favorite seasons too. Excellent, and that is a show that gets recorded Tuesday nights, um, but it comes out as a show on Thursdays. 
um, at anchor.fm slash let's watch Highlander. You can get this show, wait, you haven't seen it, tvstravis.com. Um, you can also follow me on uh, all the social medias as TV's Travis, TVS Travis. I was able to get that almost everywhere, basically, uh, which is kind of nice. I don't have anyone squatting on mine. So, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> good. Yeah, I don't know. I like this person literally like has not done anything with this Twitter account since like 2008 or something. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know there was Twitter in 2008, but there you go. So, yeah. Excellent. Well, Amy, thank you so much for being on this week. This has been a ton of fun. Um, and, it's my uh, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. We'll yeah, find absolutely. A, I'll, next time we'll find a movie you haven't seen, and we'll watch it. Right, yeah, there's plenty of those. So, yeah, I'll <laughs> let you give me a movie next time. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again, and thank you, everybody, uh, for listening. And you, you are all wonderful. Um, just remember to uh, enjoy your movies, everybody, and let's be excellent to each other. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>